step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Straw Hut Media. Welcome to Release Date Rewind, a podcast that celebrates milestone anniversaries of the movies we love. I'm your host, Mark J. Parker, a filmmaker and film fanatic, but not a film snob. And thank you for checking this episode out either on the Straw Hat Media Network, wherever you get your podcasts, or watching it on YouTube. Everybody, I'm gagged, quite honestly, because this is a very special bonus episode with a guest who has served us some stellar entertainment. You gagged her with a jawbreaker? You are gonna die if you're a fellow fan of Jawbreaker, which we just discussed in the previous episode, because this special guest wrote and directed that cult classic we've been happily quoting for the past 25 years. I am honored to have filmmaker Darren Stein grace us with his presence, so buckle up for a ride in the convertible down memory lane. All right, students, you're going to learn it, live it, love it, because it's time to rewind. Everybody, I am over the moon. I am so excited, so honored that someone whose films, but especially this particular film we're talking about today, um, I've loved for 25 years. Please welcome filmmaker Darren Stein, who still looks like a teenager. You don't even look 25 years older. How do you do it, teen dream? (laughs) I guess moisturizer. (laughs) I don't know. I, I hear that's good. I, I hear I should be doing that. <laughs> I'm going to pick your brain. I want to hear, you know, how you made not only Jawbreaker, you made Sparkler, GBF. You've also made a documentary that I must see. I have to find because I have read that you also, like me and like many other people out there, you made videos with friends growing up, right? You made short films in LA. In so, the valley, yeah. In the valley. So, so tell me about childhood before you made these great films what movies did you watch as a kid where you knew like you had to be a filmmaker hmm. as a kid i would say it was like a lot of horror like oh yeah um rocky horror picture show the exorcist the shining oh, yeah. orange you know even musicals like i don't know oklahoma all that jazz i had this thing called the z channel well, my dad had it my family it was a very early cable station so i was okay. exposed to like a lot of movies i guess really young because we had this thing called the z channel there was a great documentary about it uh, made by um one of the cassavetti's daughters oh cool mm-hmm. okay Wow, the Z Channel. Okay, I didn't know that one. Okay, yeah. but yes, you you were home learning about all these movies, falling in love with horror, right? And musicals. And so I'm seeing I'm seeing a theme here: some death, some darkness, but some bright colors. So, yeah, you know, musicality, yeah. right? Yeah, and I liked rock and roll music, like Kiss and Alice Cooper, and like yeah. Donnie Marie. So I liked you know sort of like the the more pop, but also the darker stuff and rock. And then, you know, musical theater was a huge influence. My parents took us to shows. But of course, I was more drawn to stuff like Sweeney Todd, you know, things that were more macabre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, totally. I can see it. That's amazing, Darren. So now you went to an all-boys school. Am I right? For high school. Well, for junior high. Yeah, from 7th grade to 12th grade. Wow. So then I need to know. So then how 
you so you didn't have mean girls in high school so like how did you create these amazing jawbreaker ladies is that did you learn more about that kind of well, you know high school experience in college or other well, high school i think it was just from movies you know from seeing yeah. the john hughes movies movies like carrie um heathers of course i got my carrie shirt oh, on not that. to interrupt you so you know she's here with us yeah, oh, yeah. carrie's always here i'm uh, pretty in pink you know um and any kind of cinema, you know, I just was exposed to Grease, the first yeah. Grease movie. And it really was about being in elementary school and seeing adult, you know, these older kids who were teenagers who were like seniors. And I was like, oh, so when you're a senior, you're like a full-blown adult. Uh -huh. And, you know, hunky dudes and like glamorous yeah. girls. And I was like, oh, that. And it left an impression on me that the idea of going through puberty or, or becoming that kind of like larger than life person. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about hunky dudes. We have to. So we'll get there in a second. So, okay. So you grow up in California, all boys school for high school, you said. God, I can't imagine that. Was that hard as a, as a young queer boy? It was yeah. not easy. But but I went to element, my elementary school was co-ed. So okay. I wasn't like I, I was devoid of co-ed educational <laughs> experiences. Yeah. Um, but I think, as, as you know, as as a queer person, it's like, I feel like you need to, I'm sorry, I'm assuming you're queer. Oh yeah, um, uh-huh. You have to have the girls there to help empower you as the gay guy, oh right? Oh God, yes. Yeah, it's GBF, a nice empowerment. GBF's you know, about. you help them, they help you, right? Exactly, yeah. yes, GBF, exactly. I know, another great one. So then you go to NYU for college, is that right? Mm -hmm. Now, when did you... You went to NYU, loved it, absolutely, right? Yeah. I went to Fordham in New York, so I, I'm right there with you. College in New York is like nothing else, right? So did you stay in New York for a while, or once you were done with school, did you head back I to didn't. California? I, I came right back, because I made a okay. short film when I was in college that got me an agent. So I got an agent <sighs> in, you know, in the business when I was like a junior in college. It happened very, very fast for me. But then, wow. of course, after getting the agent, it took five years to get my first feature made. So it didn't... Okay. Happened overnight, but in retrospect, it seems pretty fast. Because I was going to say, like, you made Sparkler and Jawbreaker when you were only in your twenties. Which yeah. I mean, these movies had big stars. They mm -hmm. made their mark in festivals, and obviously, Jawbreaker. We're talking about it twenty-five years later because it's just so much fun. Congratulations again. Um, so yes, yeah, so you got an agent. So now, walk me through. You know, you you do Sparkler first. And you get Freddie Prince Jr., Jamie Kennedy, uh, Veronica Cartwright, talking about horror cred with Alien and the Birds, right? So what was it like making that and and uh, doing that back in California and starting to really make a name for yourself? It felt great. It was very, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, oh boy, you know, making Sparkler and Jawbreaker back to back was exciting because making it to hell <laughs> never happened again. But, <laughs> you know, it's like you kind of, I just felt very like, you know, blessed, I guess, that, you know, yeah. I got to make both those films back to back. Because basically I wrote Sparkler, couldn't get it made, wrote Jawbreaker, couldn't get it made. And then these producers came along and made Sparkler. And then through them, I met the producers that, that produced Jawbreaker. So those oh, two things okay. all happened through really like, you know, like people connecting me with people. And, you know, they weren't really like, I mean, Jawbreaker was made by Columbia TriStar Home Video, which was not the big studio division. It was the home video division. And it was the first film that they made. So, but that it was brought to them by these other producers. And one of the producers who did Jawbreaker had done, she was a co-producer on the craft. So she, uh, had, she sort of had that sensibility. Yes. And I see some DNA, some similar DNA in there for sure. And the whole Connie Francis connection. There's some Connie Francis in the craft and there's some Connie Francis in your film. Now, was, is it true? Was there a lawsuit? Oh yeah. Well, after the film came out, I guess Connie Francis didn't realize the context in which her song was used. Oh, and so when, she, when she finally saw the scene, she's like, I didn't get permission to this. And I guess she threw it. Um, she was not pleased. Wow. But, Come on, Connie. It's funny. Cause when we were putting, when we were mixing the movie, I really wanted the Connie Francis song and I wanted a female perspective. Right. Mm. And then the producers wanted, and who were both women, actually wanted a male perspective, a male song. They're both oh. like vocalists from the I think fifties or sixties. Mm -hmm. But the Connie was was campier and fun, more fun, and oh my gosh, it was like perfect for that. It's iconic, Darren. Like none of us can like picture Ethan Erickson in his underwear without that song. Are you kidding? I see the image and I'm like, la la la. Anyway, I don't want Connie to sue. I don't. I, I, I think she's is she still around? I'm not sure. I should have looked. Know. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's amazing. So yeah, you make Sparkler that makes yeah. a bit you know a bit of a splash of of course on the festival circuit, right? You get some nominations and awards. So then that's great to know. So some producers from Sparkler carried mm -hmm. over to Jawbreaker, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was just a really exciting. And then and then this Columbia Tristar Home Video released Sparkler on VHS. Like so because they were making my next film, they wanted Sparkler to, revisit, to, to get out there. And so that's why it was available in blockbusters across the country. And people really found, similar to GBF, people found Sparkler on as a rental, and then they found yeah. GBF on Netflix. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All, all of your films so far have such great legs in, well, literally in Jawbreaker, of course, but um, such great legs at, at home. You know, that's how many of us, you know, I was in sixth grade when Jawbreaker came out. So I'm pretty certain I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. But the second that came out either, you know, at Blockbuster or on HBO or whatever, I was all over it, like many, like many of us were, right? Um, now, tell me real quick, I hear there is a real Violet in your life. Well, she's, yeah, um, she was very big in the LA club scene. Her name was Violet Fager Home. Wow. And I mean, how else can you make up that name? What a name. Yeah. And she spelled it V-Y-L-A-T-T-E. <laughs> and she's platinum blonde. And she was just like, and then when I was thinking about Fern and you know, that character, I was like, oh, a fern becomes a violet. Because it's yeah. a plant, a weed or a plant. Becomes, of course. You know? uh, yeah. And so she, and Violet herself is in the movie. She's yes. An extra who's kind of, she looks like, she's like way too old in high school. Ivanka Trump hair, like leopard print. You can see her now, in the movie. Yeah. Now, is she, so does she play a student or is she in? I wasn't sure if she was a student or in the make, the, in like kind of the makeover montage, very Rocky Horror, Tim Burton esque moment. Is she in that? No, she's a student. She's in the oh, scene where student. she's, she's in two scenes. She's in the scene okay. when they're like, when Violet's running down the hallway and ripping the posters down. Oh. Like one of the people laughing at her. Okay. And then at the prom scene, she's right in front at the prom when Courtney's having the meltdown. She's right in that crowd, right in front. Oh, okay. I, I think I know. I keep purple mm -hmm. hair. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the real Violet. That's right. Fern could only wish that she was really like me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, I've said, because uh, the previous episode that I'm uh, going to put out today is with my friend Clark, who's an artist, um, talking all about Jawbreaker. And we even say, we love the shot that you guys made of all the extras in the crowd looking up at Courtney. And I was like, gosh, some of these extras are like drag queens. They are in drag. They're in like such bright colors. And it's so, it's just so iconic and memorable, this whole crowd, you know, and everyone's in slow motion throwing stuff at her. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Cause I, I thought that was so interesting because I'm like, where did Darren Stein get the name Violet? And of course it's inspired by a real person. A real person. How do you make that up? You know? <laughs> yeah. And also I have to ask Darren, since you are a California boy, I noticed on this latest rewatch, I had never really thought about this before. Every character in your film that drives has a, a convertible. Are you, are you a convertible owner? I used to have a convertible back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. I a, Me I, too, actually. I in like a, well, 2004. BMW. Oh, a BMW. Like, nice. But yeah. I know. But after that, I was like, I don't. I didn't love the convertible. I I wanted to experience oh. it once, and then I realized yeah. I just didn't always love like being so exposed and having like the sun on me and getting tan. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But, but for the girls, it was more about the reveal of like the opening. You know, the convertible coming down. Oh yeah. Revealing that the kidnappers are like teenage girls. Absolutely. Yeah, because we don't know unless you see the trailer. You know, if you're just going into a blind, you don't really know. Uh, who who the kidnappers are until that great reveal absolutely <laughs> so you're writing jawbreaker and i i'm not even blowing smoke i mean some of these lines you wrote they are like poetry where did you come up with these great lines well, i think you know heather's invented its own language greece yep had peachy keen and you know things of that sort mm -hmm. uh clueless you know had such a great yeah. language uh amy mm -hmm. created so i really with jawbreaker i really wanted to try to try to do that and yeah. so i found myself writing this kind of like weird like <laughs> iambic pentameter kind of stuff like that whole thing when she's in the cafeteria talking about like complexion defection and oh my just, god that's just my weird imagination i guess 
Did you uh, ever like talk like that in school? Were you ever coming up with these? I was very into movies and being cool and new wave and punk and all that kind of horror, you know? So I was yeah. always like following the latest stuff. And yeah. And because I'm queer, I think I felt such an extreme sense of otherness. You know, I mm -hmm. couldn't, in high school, I couldn't be who I wanted to be, you know, who I saw yeah. in the movies. And so I was like, and so Jawbreaker in a way is sort of like a fantasy of the high school that I, and, and, and the violent, not the violence, but the explosiveness, you know, the emotions of like, fuck everybody, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, for like not accepting me, you know, the shame we feel is being queer, being different yeah. in the world, I think yeah. came, came out in that, in that movie. Wow. Absolutely. You're so right. Okay. So you write this amazing script and I, and like you said, it took a little bit for the movie to actually, you know, get up and running. Nobody made yeah. it. All the studios passed on it. No one wanted to make it. It was like too weird. You know, oh. I mean, I just wrote, um, we're developing it. Jawbreaker as a movie musical now, Columbia. <gasps> oh, a movie musical. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, cause I know there has been a stage musical in the works that you've been involved with. And yes. honestly, I mean, there must be a musical element. There already is. Your film already has a killer soundtrack and the score is amazing. So, okay, wow. So that's amazing news. It's not greenlit yet, but they want to get a pop. It's, they, they're happy with the script and they really want to get a pop star attached. So right now we're out to somebody. Hopefully she says yes. And um, that's amazing. It's a fun, it's a really fun world. You know, Fern is now Vern. He, you know, she's trans. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a really good angle. Wow. So you know, and this is so interesting because there are comparisons to Mean Girls. Jawbreakers was Mean Girls before Mean Girls, right? And it's so funny rewatching it now, years later. Like there are moments that I'm like, Tina Fey really must be a big Jawbreaker fan, right? Well, um, she's never, she's never really mentioned it. Oh well, I mean, I'll mention it for her, and not that I know her, but I mean, there are some, some similarities, right? Yeah. But now, how funny! Yeah, this is great timing to do a mu movie musical of your work and with that mean girls movie musical just came out so like what's if you can say what's been the script writing process with that film are you kind of it's been really able fun. To just well, i wrote the libretto for the the stage musical and i collaborated mm -hmm. with a composer and lyricist and so writing the movie musical was really a combination of adapting the script the movie and the screenplay of the movie with the musical and with yeah. a whole new creation of what is this new thing so i really wanted to give it a reason to exist. I just didn't want to remake Jawbreaker. I wanted I wanted to change it and modernize it and yeah. have it be completely its own experience. So it's the same story as the original film, some of the same characters, same mm -hmm. plot, but it's like 2.0. It's like 10.0. It's like <gasps> steroids. It's wow. like crazy. Um the music's great. The music's very pop and like, you know, Lady Gaga or Kylie okay. Minogue, Kylie Minogue, Kim Petra yeah. style. Oh so perfect. Yeah, so it doesn't feel like musical theater. Um, actually, Kim, someone that we're talking, you know, that I would love to get <gasps> for, for Vern. Um, oh, yeah. Vern. But, you know, her being trans is not just about, by the way, oh, it's cool, you know, it's it's a cultural thing now. It's really more about a lot of queer and trans people have messaged me and said that Fern, mm -hmm. Fern translation into Violet has mirrored or echoed or uh, felt like their own trans experience and felt like there's a Absolutely. trans narrative to that story. And so yeah. I was just basically making the subtextual queer stuff on um, no longer subtext, you know, it's just yeah. owning it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Darren. Yeah. And, and it, it, you're so right with the analogy to trans and then just queerness in general. Right. Cause she does sort of have a crush on Liz Per, Right. And, and then she's coming into her own and figuring that out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've seen clips of Judy Greer talking about how a lot of queer fans have, I guess, come up to her and, and said that, that, you know, she's such a queer, iconic character. We'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At a school like Reagan High, popularity can be deadly. I heard she choked on a jawbreaker. That is so cool. I don't think we've met what with the cruel politics of high school and all. From TriStar Pictures comes the battle of the babes. It's hard. 
It's over, Courtney. I am petrified. Jawbreaker. Our best friend is dead. Did you have any idea what that means? You were shooing for prom queen? Rated R. In theaters February 19th. What was it like when it came out? I know it didn't make a ton of money, but we're talking about it 25 years later. Was it, were you feeling pressure to have a big teen movie? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember because, you know, I, I <laughs> sorry, it's just funny. I had worked with Freddie on Sparkler and I saw yeah. him at a party and he made cheese all that at the same time yeah. he made Jawbreaker. I remember saying to Freddie, wonder, well, I wonder whose who's movie is going to do better. We're coming out at the same time. He's like, oh, I'm going to bury you. You know, I'm like, whatever. Oh. I think I'm going to bury you. And of course, She's All That is a much bigger movie, much bigger commercial success. But mm-hmm. I feel like they're just apples and oranges. You know, Jawbreaker was made, A, for a fraction of the budget. It was like $3, mm-hmm. million, $3 million. Amazing. It was, only, it was only released on 800 screens when, when She's All mm-hmm. That was like 2,000 screens. And mm-hmm. it was, it's a subversive cult film. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a commercial movie. Mm-hmm. Even though I think it does have commercial elements. And, and, and oh, the musical cool. is way more commercial, by the way. Okay, cool. Uh, and not in a bad way, not in a not in a safe way, more in like no. in that it emotionally feels a little more like satisfying. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. use the word emotion, you know, like when I'm thinking about the original film, it's more it's yeah. kind of a, it's a harsher experience. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, yeah, honestly. And it's so interesting just how f- different films have different traje- trajectories because we're not really talking about She's All That too much. And no offense, that's a fun movie for sure. Got some good musical elements in there. I just talked about it on the show last month. Um, but Jawbreakers, the winner for me, for sure. And I think for many people. But okay, Darren, so now you've written it, you know, Columbia TriStar Green lights it. Now I heard, is it is it true that I guess executives, did they tell you, you know, you got to cast either Rose McGowan, Kate Winslet, or Natalie Portman? Is that accurate? Yeah, basically the executives like, if you can get A, B, or C actress, we'll make the movie. And A and B were Kate and Natalie, and C was Rose. I mean, it's not even, you can't even imagine the film of Kate, uh, Kate Winslet or Natalie Portman, you know? I know. Um, right. And so Rose, I felt like was always the right choice for it. But ironically, you know, I had seen The Gym Generation at a screening when mm-hmm. it came out. And I thought, oh boy, you know, Rose is so fascinating and transfixing and so edgy and beautiful. I was like completely enamored of her uh-huh. with her from Doom. And then I saw Scream and I was like, wait, that's the girl from Doom and she's blonde and she's great. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of wild. And and then she's dating Marilyn Manson. What is this girl yeah. about? You know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of was hesitant in the beginning to cast Rose as Courtney because I thought like, oh, everybody would expect that. She's so like, she kind of has that element. Yeah. But sometimes the obvious choice is the right choice. Mm-hmm. And she was the right choice, per- period, for that for yeah. that role, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. She has yeah. such confidence. I mean, not only is she stunning, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your whole cast, everyone is so beautiful in this movie, but but much like your story, everything's so beautiful on the outside, but everyone gets to really, you know, mm-hmm. get sick and twisted, right? But oh yeah, I can't imagine anyone playing Courtney except for her. I mean, in this movie musical, there's some big heels to fill. They really are. Heels, they right? Are. I really want to, hopefully I'll put, you know, all the girls in the original in cameos and in places. I definitely want to use Judy Greer as Miss Cherwood in the, in the remake. Oh, oh my gosh. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's, I just, I just got giddy. That's brilliant. And Carol yeah. Kane. Well, okay. We'll get to like the supporting, but I mean, even, even the supporting roles, you have some great like film royalty and horror royalty from the 70s you know in here but um so yeah because you you it's casting by lisa beach who cast scream i mean like i actually uh sat in on a a webinar with her a year ago around this time and she was so interesting to just watch and hear she's done so many great things so was casting this i assume so fun with her it was so much fun yeah she'd also done election i think i mean she's oh yeah but she was great, uh, her and Sarah Katzman. So many things, yeah. And it was hard, you know, the thing is, it's like, how do you find girls who can like, who understand the, t- who, who get mm-hmm. the heightened tone of the material? So Julie Benz for Marcy came in and was fun. She was just funny. Like she brought so a, a humor to the role that wasn't even on the page. And so whenever yeah. an actor auditions and they bring something that's not on the page that surprises me as a filmmaker, that I think is a for sure go-to because it's like, it, complete, it, can be, it becomes a unexpected collaboration. Yeah. Then for Julie, uh, I remember we were going to you. We were thinking about using Rachel Lee Cook. I hate how funny. That. Back to she's all that, right? No, but Rachel read with Jewel with with uh, Rose and Julie Benz, and it wasn't the right chemistry. Like mm-hmm. Rachel Lee Cook is playing it too real, mm-hmm. and then leave, and then 
Gayheart came in and Gayheart got the tone. Yeah. And because Gayheart is so larger than life anyway, just her beauty, mm -hmm. right? But she understood oh the heightened world of the movie. So yes. those three girls, uh, and then and then we almost cast, I mean, I Portia de Rossi, I remember had read for Ferns. Oh, how funny. I really liked her. But we cast this other girl. I'm not gonna say her name because she never really mm -hmm. went on that much, but she ended up doing a pilot instead of Jawbreaker. Okay. And she was cast as Fern? Fern. And so we were left in the lurch without a fern, like a week before production. Oh my God. Oh uh, yeah. It was really stressful. And I think I've told the story that Rose was like, I can play Fern and Violet yeah. and Courtney. Take her place. And so Lisa Beach was like, oh, this girl, Judy Greer, just came out of uh, dramatic school. She's brilliant. You can, you got to meet her. So uh, Judy came to the production office and she was like a revelation. I mean, Judy Greer is just, wow. Judy yeah. Greer, she has Judy Greer. I mean, she's funny. She's beautiful. She's dramatic. She's, and to have someone who can play um, the queen bitch and also the real wallflower, like the really nerdy, mm -hmm. like Judy really could embrace both sides of that. So <laughs> yeah. that's a very queer character. Cause you know, I feel like as queer as we go through life, like this with the extra, extra vigilance of being out and about her, can I tell, am I being too femme? And, Absolutely. And you know, there's this heightened and, 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 Fern, I think Fern and Violet encapsulate that, I think, push and pull. Yes, absolutely. Where you're, you know, super aware of how you're coming off to others. And is it is it right? Is it okay? Absolutely. Because even when she's Violet, you know, she ends up, of course, really feeling herself, which pisses off Courtney. Iconic. But, um, you know, even as she's rising in the ranks, she's still kind of looking around and making sure, like, am I doing it right? Right? Which really comes through. Now, okay, now this just popped into my head. I got to know about that epic scene when Courtney, you know, pushes Violet into the mirror in the bathroom. And it, and it, the mirror broke, not, it doesn't shatter, of course, but was that planned? Yeah, well, I wanted it to shatter. It was a, it oh. was a, candy, it was a candy glass mirror. Wow. And we only had, and we only had two mirrors because we, we were low budget. We couldn't afford right. to do that scene, you know, 10 times. Yeah. So they had two chances to get it right, or maybe three. The first time the mirror didn't even do anything. <laughs> and oh. so I was like, throw her into the mirror hard so the mirror crash cracks. I wanted to spider web. I visually wanted it to spider web. Oh, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't do that. <laughs> but that's why that's why Rose hit threw her against her twice because the first yeah. time didn't crack enough, so she did it again. Wow. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Exactly what you taught me. I taught you to disrespect us. You taught me to rule. That's right, rule, bitch. But don't forget who made you. We see it crack, so so you got that effect for sure. I wanted it to fully spiderweb, you know, but it wasn't. I know, but it still works. Maybe maybe in this new one, you know, yeah. maybe we yes. can, you know, right? That'd be cool. That could be like the poster too. Ooh, very cool. Um, okay, so that's our that's our like you know main four. Real quick, let's touch on because you like I said, you have some film royalty. In this movie, you have Pam Greer, Carol Kane. What was it like casting them? And they're really memorable, great roles. Carol, I was a huge fan of When a Stranger Calls. Oh, yes. As a kid, and the I, sequel's really good, too. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I did a remake of that movie. I was so scared oh. of it. it was such oh. a, I was just so scared. Have you checked the children? It was just such a scary film. Yeah. And so I wanted her, and I got her, and it was like oh. exciting. That's and she amazing. Was so great. She totally get, got the tone and uh -huh. she was so cookie and fun. And she's so, so cookie. Cookie. She sort of like Fern, like she was Fern in high school. Yeah. Her and Fern had that special bond and it was really mm -hmm. cute. Yep. Pam Greer, it was like, who can go up against Courtney Shane? Like who can mm -hmm. go up against, what kind of cop can give Courtney around for her money? And I thought, well, Pam Greer, you know, the queen of, you know, black exploitation movies. Like yeah. Cox, Brown. Like you can't. And so just seeing and seeing Pam against Rose is so fun. It's like these two kind of so cult, fun. cult movie icons like yeah. <laughs> yeah. against each other. But back then, you know, Pam was an icon, Rose, Rose was on her way. But mm -hmm. now she's fully, right? Oh, absolutely. You have major icons. Um, I'd say everyone in this movie is an absolute icon. It's amazing. And 
Yeah, like it, I had forgotten, you know, it had been a couple years. I watched it for its 20th anniversary for fun. So about five years ago, right? And yeah, I forgot you have some great stare downs between Pam and Rose in the in the school hallway, you know? Yeah, there's some- Yeah, and the character does a lot more in the remake. The character has a lot more to do because that character was definitely underserved in the movie. You know? I mean, listen, okay. I was, I was so young when I remember that script, you know? I mean, um, I would have never thought that, but I, I like the idea of her getting more to do. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, she a lot more to do. Uh, and then I wanted PJ Souls and William Cat mm -hmm. because they were both in Carrie. So that oh was like God. a big homage to Carrie. And they're hardly in the movie. And I was so glad they decided to do it. Yeah. Um, were they going to do more? Or was it always just kind of like that quick? It was always scene. pretty quick. It was always pretty yeah. quick. Um, it's That's weird, cool. though. The, the scene when they find her dead body and the camera sort of like moves in on them. Mm -hmm. That shot is longer in the trailer than it is the movie. Oh, how funny. And the reason why is because the executive thought it was too disturbing to have their reaction, like discovering their dead bodies. So he, so we had to cut, cut some frames out of it, but it doesn't feel satisfying. I would have liked to have kept it in longer. Um, but then um, Jeff Conaway was yes. a reference. Yeah, he was a reference to Greece um, because Greece is a very big part of the DNA of this movie in that, uh -huh. The teenagers are adults and they're like they're, they're having sex and there's like and she's like peachy king you know rizzo's yeah. like this like force to be reckoned with oh yeah you know, rizzo you know i would say courtney's almost like a heather meets a rizzo in a way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's funny because heather's gets referenced a lot because it's three girls and yes it should but there's a lot there's just as much i think rizzo and courtney as there is um a heather you know i totally see it absolutely even even and, i feel like she yeah. has the little you know um bow around her neck which is very yeah. Rizzo. there's a lot yeah. of 50s styling capri pants the vintage purses and even i would say there's a lot of taurus atana from faster pussy cat kill kill mm -hmm. you know it's meant to be russ meyer level you know sort of like women you know big you know kind of voluptuous women who are like having sex and calling the sexual shots calling you know killing their friends by accident you know they're <laughs> It's it's a, it's a women it's like a women dominated world, right? It's not yeah. the guys in the movies are, are are either sex objects or like they're the boyfriend, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they are strictly do. supporting, and it's like know your role. You're not getting more than that, right? Yeah, even the dad is like, dad, don't be a dick. Even the dad is yeah. like, be belittled in that scene, you know? I know. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So I I just I love. I mean, I love every scene in your movie, but I mean, I think we're alone now. Is so fun. Oh, you love Tiffany. <laughs> I think we're alone now. Oh my God. That's so fun. Kind of random, but like, it was just it's great. It's random because when I was growing up, you're, you're younger than me, but Tiffany, that song came out. I was like, it yeah. was so like infectious. Oh, and I had a moment with Tiffany and I wasn't really into pop. I was definitely more into new wave and punk and stuff. But for whatever mm -hmm. reason, I think we're alone now, got into my psyche. And so, because I, I think because I was embarrassed by it, it was, mm -hmm. that's why I had her dad reference that song because she was embarrassed by it. So it was okay. my, it was really my own like weird. It was like, oh yeah, like me as a teenager, yeah, and Amazing. me just disrespecting my parents. You know, I, I I'm sure mm -hmm. I was call my dad a dick at some point. <laughs> I remember I once like would like I went to flick off my my mom, and my dad was like, if that finger comes up, I'll chop it off. <laughs> oh, and did it come up, no. or did you stop? Okay, nothing. I I didn't want to get like hit because yeah, I yeah. I mean, he wasn't violent, but like this is back in you know when we got spanked for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. And you went to Catholic school, right? Was well, Harvard was Episcopalian. Oh, Episcopalian. Uh, okay. I'm Jewish, but so I didn't really oh. like, practice. You know, it, okay. we, had, we had to go to church as part of school, but I didn't really like. I don't. You know, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. Wow. Now, what did your parents think of Jawbreaker when they first watched? Uh, they loved it. They were just so yeah. excited and so happy about. It. And, you know, they always knew I was a weird kid and into weird stuff. And so they weren't that surprised, I think, by the edge of the movie because they had grown up yeah. with me. So oh, I they, love that. They were into it. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's yeah. awesome. That's so awesome. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tell us about your first day. 
world has been great so far, man. I get to kiss beautiful women. Well, I can't complain. I got the T-bird. Life is good. <laughs> Tell us how your first day was. Great time. Things are good. Life's good. How's the sex scene? <laughs> I liked it more than I was supposed to. Let's put it out. Like it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we'll quickly talk about the boys. So what was it like casting Ethan and Chad, two cuties, two very different types of guys, very memorable, great in their supporting roles. What was it like with that process? They were great. I mean, I think originally we tried to cast Josh Hartnett. You have to remember, I mean, oh, oh Pacey came in to read, you know, Josh, the guy, the kid wow. from Dawson's Creek. Yeah. I mean, everyone, I mean, Michelle Williams came in to read. I mean, this was like, oh my gosh, this was like the 90s, like everybody was oh. in it. And I think Hartnett got like a three picture deal with Miramax. We so couldn't do mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But Ethan Erickson, I mean, it's like if you're going to cast Dane, I mean, you may as well go in and like have him yes. be like the funkiest dude ever. And Ethan is just that guy. And he oh. was so like game to like suck on that popsicle. <laughs> like he did not, he like gave his all. Like, and Rose is like, I mean, that scene is probably something she would do in the bedroom. So it wasn't like that. Oh, wow. Oh, but I love it. Two of them together, it was such. It was just such great chemistry, you know. Oh my gosh, it is perfect chemistry. I mean, the earth shook during that scene. My young eyes and everyone I know is like the popsicle scene, right? So <laughs> wow, thank you, Darren. So, for that. so many gays, like that was like their gay way. Yeah, it's Either a big or, like, moment. Ryan Felipe and Cruel Intentions or something. Oh, oh yeah, Ryan is right up there as well. But Dane, but Ethan Erickson, wow, 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 wow. So good on you and Lisa Beach for getting and then the other American. kid zach uh chad chris he was adorable yeah. he had played like a young um ethan he was in like a, a absolutely yep mm -hmm. sweet and he had that long hair he just felt very like you know like pearl jam dude but yeah a guy who could like straddle like drama and like sleep be popular and like you know yeah motorcycle guy yeah so he was fun and that and that very really was like a reference to like sort of like rebel without a cause it was like it was supposed to be like a rub the, the rebel dude from school yep. you know but once again he's peripheral to the story he's not like really about like like and, and heather's it's it's the christian slater character who convinces her to do murders you know yep. and this you know courtney is like the diabolical one from the beginning it's not yep. that's why the, the the similarities to heather's are just really literally three girls <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah it's fine. I mean, and the, and the cool thing is, is they the three films coexist now, and as this like tri this triumvirate. Was, oh was yeah, like, I, uh, yeah. I think that's the right word. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I think it's really cool. And, 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 I, and I like that Jawbreaker is sort of like the the one that's kind of the weird one that people, you know, that's not as big as because Heather's is like is is not just a cult classic. That's a classic classic. Right. And Mean Girls is a commercial, huge mm -hmm. cultural landmark you know so jawbreaker's in the middle <laughs> oh totally jawbreaker is the probably the prettiest of the three you know with all these great shots and colors and actors i mean uh, vicky what's her name vicky barrett it was yes yeah. oh, in the movie God. she was vicky brinkord and then she married simon barrett yes so she was brilliant i mean she murdered that movie Oh my gosh, it's it's yeah. truly unique what you guys were mm -hmm. able to do. I mean, all the colors. And it's funny, I've had Mona May on the show in the past, and it uh, I was looking at Vicky's uh, you know, filmography, and she's worked with Mona on a lot of these big movies, right? Before yours. Yeah, Vicky grew Vicky learned the business the business through Mona. Yeah. And so if you look at Jawbreaker, it definitely feels like it's in the universe of, of Clueless or Romy Michelle. It feels you can see the influence of those films on Vicky. Yeah. But Jawbreaker is a lot more punk and a little more a little different. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Mona's really cool. Love her. Yeah. So cool and so talented. And it's so fun, especially at this time, 25 years ago, when, I mean, 1999, you know, basically after Clueless and Scream, I mean, I've said many times on this show, teen movies, I mean, teen actors, young adult actors were like huge. They were huge stars where now we kind of have stars of all ages, right? But like, it must be so cool knowing that on the map of movie high schools, Jawbreaker is like next to Woodsboro High and Scream and next to, you know, Clueless. It's just... That's got to be pretty cool knowing that your film is part of this beloved genre or style of movies at this time. Do you know and what I mean? Was, I, I'm very grateful that, I mean, like just having the 25th anniversary and seeing like all the articles and all the outpouring yes. of, of, of love for the movie. It's like, to me, it's like, I just want to do something new. I don't care, you know? So yeah. I don't want to just rest on my laurels, but it's like, you can't not like be like, oh, wow, that feels really good to have all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah attention for the film you know 
Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's really special. And I saw you guys um my my latest short uh premiered at the Spooky Empire Festival in October cool. in Orlando. So I was in the crowd. I saw, you know, and you all look so great. I mean, you're you're leading ladies. I'm like, can we get a sequel? But uh, you know, I guess we can't get a I'm, I'm too greedy. But if we ever did get a sequel, would you ever I mean, had you ever even thought about like a continuation or no? Yeah, I mean, over the years, people have wanted it and talked about it. And like, I just wasn't interested because those were the years yeah. where like Cruel Intentions 2 was like straight to video sequel. Like, yep. Doing a straight to video sequel just didn't seem very cool to me. So yep. I just rather would not do that. Um, Don't touch it. Mm -hmm. And I always figured it was sort of like a standalone movie. I mean, the remake is cool because it's it just feels more meta because it's a musical and it's the same story. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Because mm -hmm. I feel like when I was writing Jawbreaker, I kind of wanted it to be a musical. Yeah. Why it's so heightened, colorful. And, then, and that's why there's that whole, like, you know, uh, poetry, like, sort of mon makeover montage with the with Liz yeah. preparing for the grave and, and Judy being, you know, Fern being changed into Violet. That could have been a song. That could have been a full musical scene. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When I was rewatching it the other day, I'm like, where is a musical version of this? Mm -hmm. I need to see it. So real quick, tell me, so then is there going to be any more life to a stage musical or does it seem like all focus? Seems like now where the focus is really on the movie musical, but of course, yeah. if that gets made, then I think after that, it would, yeah. be, it would be on the stage for sure. Um, and are the songs? Oh, sorry. The songs are all, all written. Like most of them are written. They're, they're really yeah. fun. There's a song called Learn It, Live It, Love It. There's a song yes. called Peachy, Peachy Keen. There's a song called Dress to Kill when we first meet oh. the woman at the beginning. It's, <gasps> it's a song called Suck It. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's, it gives you everything you want, I think. And you can probably oh. hear a lot of the, if you go on YouTube, we had, we've had concerts of the show in New York, and there's some footage from concerts where you can hear some of the music from different regions. Oh, cool. I was going to say, yeah. Are the are the songs in this movie musical yeah. you're working on? Are they from the stage yes. musical? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I was listening. There's um, a YouTube page um, that had. It's called All About Violet. A oh, really right. fun song. It's a great yeah. song. Yeah, that, that's, the, oh that's, that's in the movie as well. Yeah. And the great thing is because I wrote, because I wrote the libretto for the musical, I was with the composer and lyricist when we were deciding where the songs came and what the songs did and what the titles mm -hmm. were. And so it all feels very um, out of my brain, even mm -hmm. though I didn't write the lyrics, a lot of the lyrics come out of the movie and Jordan Mann who wrote the lyrics is so brilliant. And he extrapolated so well on what I did. And Jeff Thompson who wrote the music is, is, is a wonderful composer, yeah. songwriter. And so we had a really incredible um, collab. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, Carol Kane did a reading of it in New York at, when Hi. she came to Sherwood, and Joe Joe's done readings from GBF. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Frey, who played, who was in GBF, he was the gay Mormon. He did a reading. So there's, nice. there's been some fun overlap between GBF and Jawbreaker, uh, which has been fun. Yeah. Uh, but I really hope that Sony makes this and people want it, and it just comes down to like because it's not the big Tina Fey movie, you know, we need to get kind of stars and star power. Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yep. So we're already, I've already had a zoom with Chloe Bailey, you know, Chloe and Haley and Chloe. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so we put together like a group of, of pop stars, you know? Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. That's gotta be crazy. It is crazy. Like Chapel Rowan's my dream. Marcy. Oh, I love her. Oh yeah. my gosh. Who would you want her to play? Can you Marcy. say Marcy Fox? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Oh yeah. my gosh. Would Gaga, Gaga probably wouldn't do it, but I was going to say, would Gaga like do a cameo? But now she's busy with Joker and all that. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Maybe, but you know, I mean, Mary J. Blige could be a fun Detective Cruise. <gasps> oh my gosh. Wow. This is so cool. This is yeah. so cool. I yeah. love it. That's amazing. And of course, and of course she's got to have a song or two, right? Vera Cruz. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Um, now, real quick, back to the the non-musical version. I, I don't want to take up much more of your time, but this is so fun. Um, now, I heard that you had some trouble with the rating. What is it true that for a little bit there it was going to be NC seventeen, or is that just a rumor? It was. It was true. Um, yeah. We had to take out a couple thrusts. The scene when Marilyn Manson's having sex with her with the dead body. Oh. The There's Ooh. apparently I didn't know this, but to get an R rating, you can't have like 
as a maximum of three or four thrusts in a sex scene, I guess. <laughs> yeah. who, who knew? And it yeah. probably had to do with the fact that I was an older man, you know, mm. and, a, and a high school girl, and then her dead, yeah. high school girl's friend's dead under the bed. It's a little bit kinky and weird. It's dark. That is <laughs> twisted. Yeah. <laughs> but another influence on the movie was Twin Peaks. And I was oh. very and that's why it was very Laura Palmer-esque for her to go to a mm. dive bar and find an older man and bring him oh, back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Marilyn Manson, I, I did love some of his songs back then. Um, but man, he's, and uh, we know he's famous for being kind of scary and everything, but the way you guys dressed him as this stranger in the bar, so freaky. So freaky. <laughs> so, yeah. Because we, we, you know, obviously he's not going to wear his, his makeup. And no. I think it was Vicky her idea to put him in a complete like 70s Sergio Valente mm -hmm. suit yeah. with that weird horn stash. Yeah. It's a really creepy look. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. And then the Donnas who play prom, I was just a fan of theirs. And I, and I saw a picture of them and their Donna, they had different t-shirts like Donna K, Donna F, Donna R. Yeah. You know, and I was like, Oh, that's such a fun way to homage Heather's. Yes. You know, we, with these girls named Donna. So that was an homage to Heather's meets an homage to uh, Rock and Roll High School, which featured the Ramones. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. PJ Souls was in Rock and Roll High School as Riff Randall. Yes. I love that movie. I love her in it. And that's how I discovered the Ramones. And so I yeah. really wanted to have a lot of that DNA in this movie as, as well. Oh my gosh. I love how that all connects. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. I'll fucking shred you, you whore. I assume it was an amazing time. Was there any like real drama? Probably not. Hopefully not. It was, it was, it was, it was not the easiest experience just because it was so low budget and we had 30 days to do it. Fast. Yeah. It was a fast shoot and a big movie to make, but it was, it was a great, I had a great time for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. I believe it. Yeah. I hope you guys all laughed. We capturing lightning in a bottle. It was like capturing a dream vision in a bottle of yes. low budget in like 30 days and this, you know, getting to, getting to the finish line, you know? Yeah. It, well, it's what's, what's amazing about it is it feels indie, but it, it has this shine mm -hmm. that many indies don't get to have. So it's like yeah. that perfect blend of like, you know, studio, but um, really like kind of raw and weird and just not not like the the mainstream, which is awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so now you film it, you edit it. I mean, everything, the cinematography editing, the sound effects are so much fun. I love like that scene when Ferns, you know, she's still Fern. She's not Violet yet, you know, early on. And she's outside of Liz's house and she picks a flower. And then we see and hear this gross, you know, centipede, like great little sound effects, right? <laughs> Everything's coming together. It's so good. <laughs> you have an amazing soundtrack. Now, were you, what was this, like pulling all these songs? Like, were you involved I, in that? Did you have a yeah, music supervisor? I had, okay. I had a music supervisor, but I was very involved. I love music and I love bands. Yeah. And I love like you know, rock. So I was really into like Imperial Teen, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had their first record, Seasick. I went to NYU with Will Schwartz from the, from the band. Oh, cool. And we just lucked out that their second album was coming out right as we were looking for a song for the hallway. Because mm -hmm. we had, we oh. had a, an iconic hallway song and you, two, you Who had not come out and their second album had not come out. Mm -hmm. And the music supervisor was like, oh my God, you have to hear this song off the new Imperial Teen record. And I was like, that's it. You know, because I... We were trying every song with it, like Elastica's Connection or like yeah. Fun Boy 3's Our Lips Are Sealed. You know, we're trying oh, yeah. all these iconic, you know, Cannonball by The Breeders. Mm. And that was the song. That was it. Wow. It's iconic. And I mean, slow motion hallway walks. I mean, Jawbreaker is A++++. When you were writing, were you envisioning like a slow motion for the hallway walks or did yeah, that kind of come was, up? That was all very intentional. And I I wanted to reference like gangster movies and Western movies. Oh, these, yeah. Yeah, because these films where like the men get to have this like macho slow motion walk. And I was like, why don't girls have that? And yeah. I was like, well, let's just do complete runway fashion, fashion walk, you know? Yeah. Oh, and sort of like be really over the top about it and like yeah. have each of these three outfits and like just gorgeousness. And, you know, she's like, yes. oh my gosh, the way she runs her. Yeah. Like, just genius. Every decision is like yeah. A plus. It's amazing. Yeah. That was yeah. all very intentional for sure. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And it's um, weird to see how it's been like parodied and it became. Oh, yeah. You know, like in Mean Girls, I think a girl falls, does the thing, but then falls in the trash, which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm, which is great, yep. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is high school, Detective Cruz. What is a friend, anyway? So now, okay, so it's done, it's edited, yeah. and you premiere at Sundance, which is amazing. That was, that was a huge surprise. So the executive at Columbia TriStar Home Video had been a in ac- the acquisitions business. So he would acquire indies and foreign films <laughs> to release it at Columbia TriStar Home Video. And then premiere them at Sundance, because Sundance was a great launch for indie, and, indie films, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had a Sundance called Clint, his name was Clint, the executive, that, 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 uh, year and said, hey, you know, what do you got for me this year? And Clint said, oh, we have this f- film called Jawbreaker, but it's this is a teen comedy. It's not very Sundance, not very indie. It would, you know, it's 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 just a campy teen teen comedy. Mm-hmm. And the guy at Sundance, Jeff, what was this? He was the head of Sundance. I forgot his last name, but he was mm-hmm. like, we do teen comedies here. Heather's premiered here. Pump up, pump up the volume premiered here. We like teen movies here. And so he showed him Jawbreaker and Jeff liked the movie and it got programmed at Sundance. Wow. And that was like crazy because wow. I wasn't even sure at that point if the film was going to go straight to video because Columbia, mm-hmm. Trailer, basically they made it for the budget of a, of a straight to video movie. Mm-hmm. So they knew that their ass would be covered even if they just went straight to video with it. And so there was a point where they weren't sure if this was going to be theatrical at all. It might've been straight wow. to video. Interesting. And so I think the Sundance premiere and the press that generated and the response at Sundance helped secure the film a theatrical release, which was great. Yeah. And so it's kind of crazy. This happens every now and then still. But what did you think of, you know, you premiere at Sundance in January and then were you then given a release date February 19th? Yeah. Whoa. That's that's fast. Well, because I think they they realized, oh, we should just like ride the, we should ride the the Mm. Sundance right into the release. Mm -hmm. So that happened. And, you know, but to remember, the film still did not have the budget of a cruel, mm-hmm. uh, the marketing, the prints and advertising and marketing budget of yeah. a cruel intentions or of a can't hardly wait or of right. uh, idle hands, any of those. So bus stops did not have jawbreaker yeah. posters. There was an MTV half hour special that was really cool or an hour special mm-hmm. on MTV. There were, yeah. you know, there was some there were commercials on TV, there was trailers and movie theaters, but there were not posters around LA. I mean, I remember opening night, I went around to theaters at, in LA to see it with different audiences and certain theaters didn't have like a poster for it up and oh. they didn't signage up. You know, it wasn't cause it wasn't like the full studio yeah. thing. Yeah. But I think the people who knew about the movie were going to see it just based on the trailer. And Oh they yeah. They, they, they saw something that spoke to them because I think because Jawbreaker has that camp quality and that intrinsic queerness to it. Mm-hmm. People who are that and who get that, who want that, know what that is without having it's a, it's it's like an unspoken language. Yep. And and I think the reviews were so bad back then because the critics were all heterosexual older heterosexual mm. men who didn't get what the movie was. Jawbreaker should be called jaw dropper. It's that mean <laughs> and vicious. These people are loathsome, they are hateful. Uh, they are not nice. The movie isn't funny. It's very unpleasant. There's nobody to root for. And so the critics hated it. The the the, the it didn't do that well theatrically. And that was tough, you know, to deal with because I just wanted to make another movie and I didn't get to. And um, it was hard for me. Um, But time time spoke and decades the movie did not go away. So I know you're probably you're probably like, where the fuck were you all 25 years ago? I know. Isn't that wild? Oh, that's amazing, though. I mean, and and it just goes to show, you know, I know it's tough because studios. And and even smaller studios care about money, of course. That that helps make this makes decisions. But how special to just have something that people watch every year, you know, and quote, and it's yeah. become a major part of people's lives. That is so cool. Did you well, ever the, imagine the people, who, the people who know about it, the people who love it? Yes. Still, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I mean, it's still not doesn't have a huge swath. I think that's something like, yeah. Heather, like for example. 
I, I'm a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a producer of Dragula and a guest judge yeah. on Dragula. But on Drag Race, Jawbreaker's never been mentioned. Oh, really? They, That's surprising. So they, they, they mentioned Heathers. I mean, there was a click called the yeah. Heathers. Right? Mean Girl, of course, is mentioned at the ass. But the queens all love it. And the queens all yeah. live for it. But it doesn't oh, yeah. have, But for whatever reason, it's not quite, doesn't have quite the cultural, I don't know, largeness. Yeah to cut through to, I don't know, RuPaul's Drag Race, for example. I don't know. Mm, so that's, that's, interesting. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I blame the lame straight people that didn't just, you know, like jump on it and start quoting like all of Courtney Shane's lines, you know, that's their fault. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the movie is cult in that what that means is yeah. it's, it speaks to a certain kind of person who understands that frequency and yeah. not even and basic, not basic gays don't. I hate to be yeah. a bit, but like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it requires a little bit more of a outsider perspective, you know? Like, yeah. it has a huge black audience. Black people love it because oh, it that's goes interesting. Yeah. Because the movie fucking goes in hard. Because mm-hmm. for me, it was feeling different in the world. It's feeling, you know, I was very androgynous in high school and I felt okay. like, do they know what I am? And, you know, I wasn't just gay. I was, I felt like some people, like, I just felt, outside of everything i felt like traumatized by that experience and i think yeah. jawbreaker is the movie is like have you ever heard the, heard the term velvet rage uh, i don't think so okay well velvet rage is a term they use and it says there's a book called the velvet rage and it's when queer gay men whatever they either they become bitchy or they like have to be the best or they become mm. like a drug addict, you know, it's like all these ways of coping with this extreme shame that we have of being mm. of growing up in a world that's not made for us, right? Mm-hmm. Or vigilance yeah. that you have to have in the world. I think it's called velvet rage against wow. the world. It comes out as perfectionism or it comes out as being a bitchy, the bitchy queen archetype or whatever. Yeah. Um, wow. I think Jawbreaker was that for me, you know, emotionally. Yeah. Uh, and I did. I had no idea that, you know, Courtney, Shane, and, and Fern, and Violet, and Marcy, and Julie. And even the guys, to some respect, and they're all different parts of me. You mm-hmm. know, or, you know, Miss the dad and Miss Sherwood and the yeah. detective. <laughs> the dad. That's so. Maybe you'll play the dad in the in the dad new lives. Dad lives. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's amazing. And you know, Velvet Rage. That could be the name of your next movie after <laughs> think about like, it. Yeah. that could be interesting right yeah. there you yeah. go it's like terms of endearment part three hey this time the boyfriend's gay yeah and the rest of the cast sucks <laughs> you wrote this baby we all love it what is your favorite scene line moment from your movie like what's is there is there one that like immediately jumps out to you i like all of it i know I, like like for example like i i think it's all really funny like I have a friend of mine is the actor Thomas Decker. He was on the oh, Terminator yeah. show and met him once because friends brought him to my house for a game night and he, he he couldn't help himself. He started quoting the movie all night. Like, And to this day, we're still friends. And he always quotes, <laughs> just yesterday, I was walking my dogs thinking of Thomas quoting the line from Miss Sherwood when she's like, please cover your bosoms. This is a learning institution. It's not a brothel. It's one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that line was, by the way, written on the fly because oh yeah she was supposed to go to school in a corset not in that red cardigan that, that's over it yeah okay i wanted my my whole thing is okay well how are they gonna look in the slow motion scene it needs to be like fashion mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i so, and so me and the costume designer both thought, thought of her in this corset this red corset with matching red pencil skirt but then the executive was like you're not this girl you cannot have a girl going to school in a corset it's just not gonna happen <laughs> no way this happens come on so, so we had to add. So we had to add Mr. Wood putting on that red, the red cardigan yeah. in that scene because oh. we, we had already shot, I think, something. We had to give her a reason to have to have it on. Have mm. it on. Anyway, okay, yeah. Oh, that's a great line, and that's when I think we first meet Miss Sherwood, mm-hmm. and the, and mm-hmm. we meet the bathroom, and yeah. Oh gosh, I love that line too. Totally. Oh well, thank you, Darren, so much. This has been so special. I appreciate your time. You're, Anything you, you want to? I really appreciate you know, your passion and stuff. It was so much fun. Absolutely. Are you are you doing any more like uh, conventions, any cons, anything coming up? No, soon? no, no. Right now, I'm just trying to put together my next movie. You know, I, I have yeah. Jawbreaker. Uh, hope, hopefully, that'll get a green light, and then another film called Ant Max that we're in the process of putting together. Fine. So, working on on that, and you know, pitching. I'm developing a slasher, and I'm pitching a series. Oh. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. 
Oh, this is so exciting. I'm loving, I'm, I'm hearing Jane, everything. I'm loving everything. Talking about a Jane Mans movie, a Jane Mansfield, Anton LaVey movie about the church cool. of Satan. Oh, stuff. <laughs> love it. Isn't that amazing? That's all the time we had, but how'd you like all that tea and trivia listeners, right? We are not worthy. We bow down. Thanks everybody for listening to or watching this episode and a major thank you very much to Mr. Darren Stein for chatting with me about this great movie he made that I and many of you out there admire so much. Not only a really smart and clever filmmaker, but such a nice guy too. Thank you. If you had a good time, tell your friends, spread the word, and leave a rating, review, or a thumbs up. Thanks also to Straw Hat Media, Kyle Motzinger, Greg Clements, and Portland Media Center. Follow me on Instagram at Release Date Rewind to see more content from this chat and from Jawbreaker. And everybody, next time on Release Date Rewind, we're talking about another 1999 teen movie that rocked our worlds. And it was actually just brought up in this episode. And that movie is Cruel Intentions. All right, the episode's over, bitches. It's over, Courtney. I am petrified.